are listening to the podcast of the White Church at the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share his love. Mark chapter 6, and Matt's going to read for us. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all of the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send these people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, You give them something to eat. They said to him, That would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was five thousand. All right. Thank you, Matt, for reading. It's fun to have Matt read as a graduate. I've known Matt since, well, his voice was a lot higher back then, and he didn't have any facial hair. <laughs> and it's been fun to watch over the years as Matt has grown in his faith, made lots of memories over the years, reading scripture, being out at Camp St. Croix, singing worship songs on the beach, working on his Eagle Scout project together, being on mission trips. And if you've ever peeked through the back hallway on the way to the locker rooms, you see that if a storage shed can be called beautiful, we'll call it that, that was Matt's Eagle Scout project that he made to benefit the YMCA, the City Parks and Rec Department, and the Y Church. So lots of memories over the years. And thinking of our table question, I know in those memories too, we have endured some hot summer days together. The one that comes first and foremost to my mind Matt was part of our student leadership trip that we took to England a couple summers ago. And after a transatlantic flight, arriving in July in London and having to navigate the subway system. Some of you remember that? Hinkles, I see. (laughs) Remember how hot it was and how crowded one tube ride after another trying to make our way to the YMCA hotel. And so life in Minnesota in this heat has also been a bit of an adventure lately. It is a wild state that we live in, I think. I was just recalling in February, in February, a few months ago, we had that two-week stretch where it was sub-zero, and now here we are. I was pulling out the lawnmower from the garage a few days ago, and I see the ice auger is, is laying there next to the lawnmower. That is a picture of life in this state. But on these hot summer days, You've got to find a way to enjoy it and endure it. And so Esther and I were celebrating our anniversary this week. After dinner out at this restaurant, we ordered their key lime pie. And it was just the 
perfect dessert on a hot summer day. I don't know what you would like to have, ice cream or a slice of watermelon or a popsicle. As I pick up the scripture reading, as I was looking at it this week, I thought, I want to present this to you kind of like eating an apple, which is a refreshing treat. And the reason I suggest an apple is that there's a core to this passage that we are going to get to, and yet there's so much to eat and savor along the way. So that's the uh, direction of the message I've entitled it this morning, Satisfied. And I think that many of us here can relate to the feeling of being dissatisfied. You know what it's like in your life to be disappointed in yourself, in somebody else, maybe in a situation that's developed. You know what it means to feel perhaps unfulfilled. And how is it then that a person can be satisfied? How do you get to that elusive place where you are at ease, even happy or content? That's what our passage is about. It's perhaps a well-known story to some of us. And yet I encourage you to shake off any familiarity that would allow this text to lose its power and the ability to speak into your life. So we come hungry this morning to be fed by the Spirit of the living God. And I want to share with you five bites of this apple on the way to the core. And the first one this morning is this. Jesus calls us to come away with Him and rest. As the story begins, the disciples have returned from little missions trips earlier in the chapter. If you would look up the page, you would see that, that two by two they had gone out. Now they've come back and they're telling Jesus about all that has happened. And yet there's people and more people who keep showing up now that Jesus is back in Capernaum. In fact, the crush of people who is coming to see Jesus is so big that the disciples can't even get a bite to eat. It is just nonstop until Jesus says finally in verse 31, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. I don't know about you, but I usually forget in this story that this is the way it begins. I hear feeding of the 5,000 and I immediately think of the loaves and the fish And I forget that feeding the 5,000 actually begins with an invitation to rest. Do you know this morning that He sees your need for rest? For times of quiet? Just for you and the Lord. And it's something we've seen before, too, in our study in Mark. Last week we had those two stories from the Sea of Galilee that we took from Mark 4 and Mark 6. And both places, you remember last week we saw Jesus taking his disciples and leaving the crowds behind. Now the crowds have their place, of course. That's Jesus' place of ministry. But they also need to be set aside for times of refreshing. And we see this pattern in the Gospels of Jesus taking his disciples away for times of rest and instruction. Where he pours into them And He fills them up. And He wants to do the same for you and for me. And so I ask you this morning, if this pattern is evident in your own life, are you taking Jesus up on this invitation to come away with Him and get some rest? 
We had a few weeks ago Pastor Mike Bradley who was with us, and you might remember him talking about coffee time with Jesus. So you might be a coffee drinker, or maybe it's tea, or maybe kids, for you it could be a glass of chocolate milk in the morning. But you have this invitation to start your day by spending time with Jesus. William Wilberforce, the great abolitionist, a pretty busy guy, said this, In the calmness of the morning, before the mind is heated and weary by the turmoil of the day, you have a season of unusual importance for communion with God. You don't have to be William Wilberforce or anybody in particular to enjoy starting your day this way. My college roommate's dad was a construction guy. That's what he'd done his whole career. And when I got to know him, he'd worked his way up the ladder and he was now a foreman leading the guys on the site. And he would start every day with his Bible at the kitchen table, I think long before the rest of the house was stirring. He'd have his Bible at the kitchen table. He'd have his bowl of oatmeal. Kids, he'd have his bowl of oatmeal, his cup of coffee, And then he was ready for his day to pound nails and set trusses and manage the job. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be intimidating. Jesus says, let me just paraphrase it. He says, hey, let's get away for a bit. Find a quiet place and have some rest. And for some of you, maybe you realize it's been a while since you have said yes to that invitation. Maybe you recognize here, end of the school year, you've been going like a house of fire and it's kind of become your normal. One of my fears for the schedules that we sometimes can run with our kids is that there is no room to get away with Jesus. They don't see it modeled or valued or prioritized. And so what a great opportunity now as seasons change, as summer is here, that you can say yes to finding time with Jesus and getting some rest. Secondly in our story, second bite of apple this morning. Number two, Jesus teaches us to see with compassion. As great as that idea is to get away and get some rest, it's very interesting that it gets thwarted in the story. You know, that's where we start. They sneak off in this boat, but the people on shore recognize Jesus and the disciples and they blow their cover. And the word travels fast, not just in Capernaum, but it says all over the surrounding towns so that people are racing ahead knowing where that boat is heading or or seeing it maybe out there on the water. Think of kind of racing ahead around the north end of Mille Lacs and they're going to meet them where they land. And I want you to imagine how disappointed the disciples are as they see what is awaiting them at their destination. They're exhausted. They're tired. They're hungry. Maybe hangry. They think they've finally gotten away and gotten a break, only to see this huge crowd, this huge needy crowd awaiting them on the shore. Do you know what it's like to be peopled out? Even extroverts, you know what it's like to be peopled out and just to need a break? I think that's where the disciples were at. And they looked upon this crowd, and I'm just thinking, it doesn't say, but just feelings of dismay and even disgust rising up in them. And then we look at Jesus. 
And we take our cues from him. Verse 34. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. That word for compassion is an important and pretty rare one in the New Testament. It is only ever used to describe Jesus or God. And it literally means the guts. The guts. In the Greco-Roman world, the intestines of all places were understood to be the seat of emotion and what you feel. So we would probably talk about that in the sense of the heart. The heart is where we feel, but for them they said, no, it's the belly. But wherever you locate it, Jesus sees this crowd that's gathered and he feels the deepest sense of compassion. And why? Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Now many of us, myself included, need some help understanding this sheep business in the Bible. Because it's not the world that we grew up in or live in. So what was commonplace for the people of Israel is about as common to us as a Texas armadillo. Although I say that we have friends from Texas here this morning, so maybe not for you. (laughs) But there's a little book called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23 that my wife has been reading. I snuck it away from her to take a look myself. And it's a real-life shepherd helping us to bridge this gap. And he explains... Sheep do not just take care of themselves. They require, more than any other class of livestock, endless attention and meticulous care. It is no accident that God has chosen to call us sheep. When Jesus saw all those people, He didn't see His plans ruined. He didn't see an annoying interruption. He saw shepherdless sheep. God had said in Ezekiel 34, it's a great passage in Ezekiel 34, my sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. And we recognize that's where we are without the Lord. We are just wandering and vulnerable sheep Which is why Jesus came and why He is called our Good Shepherd. Because He came to rescue us who are lost and scattered. He came to fulfill a passage like Isaiah 40 that says, He tends His flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in His arms and carries them close to His heart. He gently leads those that have young. And I point all this out to say, Jesus teaches us how to see other people. How many of us, all of us, have looked upon another person or a group of people with disdain, annoyance, or indifference? And Jesus is saying here, and He's teaching His disciples in the boat, no, we're going to do this differently. We get to see people as made in the very image of God. Every single person bearing his thumbprint and of precious value to him. The most annoying kid at school, the most disagreeable neighbor that you have to put up with, the person you can't stand on social media, 
a beloved child of God for whom Jesus came to give his life on the cross. If I'm in the boat, I'm learning a different way to see people. That we are all sinners in need of a Savior. And I was lost on the beach too until Jesus found me. And that brings us to number three this morning. Number three, compassion means both teaching and feeding. You know, it's very instructive to see what Jesus does with compassion, because of compassion. It's not just a feeling that gives you pause for a moment and you sigh and then shrug your shoulders and move on. No, compassion leads to action. And we see Jesus do two things, the first of which I think might surprise us. It comes right after the part that we were reading in verse 34. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Of everything that Jesus could have done for these hurting and wandering people, the first thing that he does is teach them about God. And it's not apparently a little five-minute devotional. No, what does it say? It says he began teaching them many things. He lands on the beach. His heart is full of compassion. And he says, I'm so glad you're here. Now let's open our Bibles together. You know what he's doing? He's feeding them spiritually. Deuteronomy 8.4 Man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We need this food too. This kind of food. You know, most of us here, we don't have to wonder where our next meal is going to come from, but we might forget that there is a food that you cannot find in the grocery aisle. And that's where Jesus starts. And yet it's not where He stops. The hours go by, And the disciples finally say, just imagine them interrupting his teaching. They say, Jesus, you know, we're in such a remote place and the time is getting on. It's gotten so late. Why don't you send the people away so that they can go and buy some food and get some supper? And I was reading that just chuckling to myself because we see the disciples telling Jesus what to do. And I know we're only in the sixth chapter of Mark, but you think by now they would have realized It's really not a good idea to tell Jesus what to do. You ever find yourself doing that? But that aside, their idea, you know, sounds reasonable to wrap this thing up for dinner. Though whether they were actually concerned for the people or they really just wanted them out of their hair is probably worth wondering. But reasonable as it may sound, Jesus says he is not done with compassion yet. And he looks right back at his disciples and he says in verse 37, you give them something to eat. And the combination of these two things, teaching and feeding, is a beautiful subtlety to this story. Because we can so easily slip into this temptation where it is either all about teaching or all about feeding. Some people can get on their high horse that they're going to do real ministry 
and only give people the Word of God. And on the other hand, we just as often see the opposite, where practical needs are elevated so much that we forget the gospel. And Jesus shows us that this is a false dichotomy, that it is not either or, it is both and. You don't have to choose between teaching the word and feeding the hungry. We get to do both. That is what compassion means. Wonderful commentary by Morna Hooker says, Jesus has compassion on the crowd by giving them first an abundance of teaching, then an abundance of food. And she's got it exactly right. And I want to encourage you this morning, if the Y Church is your church home, we are inviting you to do both with us. By God's grace, we are absolutely committed to proclaiming the gospel and providing for those in need. And so I invite you to do that with us. Let's go to number four, our fourth bite of apple on our way to the core. God wants to work with our small supply. God wants to work with our small supply. This is a massive crowd. We're going to get to the number in a minute. And Jesus has just told his disciples, you give them something to eat. And you can see by their response how ridiculous they think this idea is. They say, well, Jesus, that would take more than a half a year's wages. You want us to go buy all that bread? In verse 38, how many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. Think about this with me. We've already heard the scripture reading and we read the children's Bible, so we know the whole story. Is Jesus going to miraculously feed these thousands of people? Is that the end of the story? Yes. Could he have fed the thousands out of thin air if he wanted to? Yes. He could have just let it rain down like manna from heaven. But he doesn't. For some reason, in the mysteries of God, he wants to work with our small supply. In the story, they find five loaves of bread and two fish. It's John's gospel that gives us that fun little detail that it was a young boy they found who gave up this food. And that's all they've got. They have five loaves, and these are little round barley loaves and two fish. Marion Doyle's poem says, How many loaves have ye? Jesus thy Savior still asks of thee. And I want to ask you this morning, not if, but how often have you been so keenly aware of how inadequate your supply was? Maybe you were short on money. You ever just had to put 10 bucks in the gas tank because you didn't have anything beyond that? Maybe you were short on skill or ability for a project or an assignment. Maybe it was smarts or charisma or talent or resources. Whatever it was. I bet most of us could tell all kinds of stories about when you just didn't have enough, at least by our own math. And is there a particular area of your life right now where you know how inadequate you are? 
the task is this big and you are about this tall. How many of us right now know an area where that is true in our life? And I want to remind you that God likes the odds stacked exactly that way. And if you don't have enough this morning, you have exactly the right amount for Him to work with. Because number five, the last one on the way to the core, God multiplies our meagerness into His abundance. God multiplies. This is the first worship song we sang this morning. He multiplies our meagerness into His abundance. Jesus hears the report. We got five loaves and two fish. And He says, perfect. Let's get to work. He has everyone then sit down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And somewhere in here there's a lesson in organizational leadership probably. The total crowd size is enormous. We usually don't imagine this story big enough. I guarantee it. Because we get used to the story, we see it in a children's Bible and the nice illustrations, but we just so miss the magnitude of this miracle. The end of the story says that there were how many men present? Kids, did you hear it? How many men? The feeding of the 5,000. Now, Matthew's account says 5,000 besides women and children. The story is the only miracle told in all four Gospels. And it says 5,000 men, specifically every time. And Matthew says, yes, 5,000 men besides women and children. It's hard to even speculate where the final number may have landed. But this is a massive crowd from all over the region of Galilee. The city of Capernaum itself only had about 10,000 people at this time. So you have to imagine a stadium-sized group of people just all over the place. And Jesus has them sit in organized groups, and he takes the five loaves and the two fish, says a prayer of thanks, and we read these words, and it is a foreshadowing of the Last Supper. He says a word of thanks, and he gives it to his disciples to serve. Notice how he uses his disciples to do the serving. And however this worked, the baskets just never ran out. It's like Mary Poppins' basket. You know, she just keeps pulling things out of it. And the disciples are going around to these groups. And the supply never runs out. It keeps multiplying and multiplying by the thousands. Verse 42 says, They all ate and were satisfied. I love that word in this text, satisfied. We're going to highlight it together and take a look because this is not just a snack that tides them over until they can get a real meal. No, this is a feast. They were satisfied. It takes me back to Psalm 63. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. And we go to the New Testament. It's Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. We come hungry and thirsty in a broken band of people on the beach, and it is God who meets us and fills us 
and satisfies us. So here is the core of the apple this morning. There's lots of lessons in this story, and we've just touched on five. But this is why Mark tells this story and all the other gospel writers. So we understand that Jesus is the Son of God, the bread of life, who nourishes body and soul. Are you hungry this morning? Do you want to be satisfied in a way that you have never been able to fill? It's an open invitation. Jesus says to you, then come. Come away with me. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Can I pray for you? Pray for me in that regard? Let's bow our heads together. Oh Lord, we thank you for the treasure of your word this morning. The truth and power of it. And Lord, that though we have been wandering and scattered all over the place, Lord, that you meet us right where we are and you see us with your eyes of compassion and you give us food to eat, not just food for the body, but Lord, you fill us in every way. And I pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters here this morning as we gather for worship coming from all over the place, Sheep, now gathered in this space for an hour together, I pray, Lord, that you would fill us up with the richest of foods that only you can give. We come hungry, Lord, and we thank you for what you have to give, that it is all that we have ever needed. We praise you and worship you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Y Church Podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at thewychurch.org.